Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Continues now. Ball caught, touchdown! What a catch on the three-yard line by Jaden Thomas. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Caught on the one-yard line and into the end zone. Tobias Merriweather, first catch of his Notre Dame career, goes for a touchdown from 41 yards out. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Setting up Estime over the middle, 25-20. He'll score. 10-5. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Fifteen minutes in front of six o'clock on your Friday evening. I'm Darren Pritchett, and Sports Beat is brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. For 13 years, Folds of Honor and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. We're also brought to you by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. And by Bethel University, Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. Right now, let's talk about Notre Dame football opponents for a couple of moments. As today, we're going to lock in on the quarterbacks that the Fighting Irish will face this year. The 12 quarterbacks that we know are going to start or are expecting to start. Who are the most challenging for the Notre Dame defense? Who might be the easiest to attack from a Notre Dame defensive standpoint? Let's go through the list. We'll go 12 to 1, ranking the quarterbacks that Notre Dame will likely face in 2023. We'll start at number 12. This is a bit of a shot in the dark, stereotyping. But I don't have any film on Tennessee State's quarterback, Draylon Ellis. All I know is Ellis, the FCS quarterback, eight passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns last year. And you would have to imagine the Tennessee State offensive line will have their hands full with that Fighting Irish front, which will cause Mr. Ellis to go to the Excedrin tablets probably pretty quickly in this game. Now, I'm going to be very generic with the next choice. The 11th-ranked quarterback is to be determined, whoever the Navy quarterback is. Just doing a little reading, they've got a veteran player that could be the guy It sounds like they would like to have more of a quarterback that can throw. We might see Navy look a little different than in the past with a new offensive coordinator, new head coach. Sounds like they're going to still heavily run the football, an option team, but they might run out of some different formations. They might, again, might 
want to throw it a few more times rather than be just a big surprise when they throw it. Have a passing game that might mean they're not going to throw it 20 times, but there could be something else for the defense to think about than they normally do. The quarterback competition continues in Annapolis, so we'll just say, generically speaking, the Navy quarterback is number 11. Ranking the quarterbacks the Irish will face this year, coming up at number 10 is Jace Bauer. He is the quarterback for the Chippewas of Central Michigan. One start last year, then he got hurt. They went through four or five quarterbacks at Central Michigan last year. They were the San Francisco 49ers of the MAC. Bauer had one start last year altogether. One touchdown pass with five interceptions. They have a couple of options at quarterback. It looks like Bauer is going to be the guy, and it does not help him or his quarterback ranking. They only have four starters back on the offensive side of the football. Number nine, ranking the Notre Dame opponent quarterbacks. Ari Patu from Stanford is selection number nine. He was the backup for Tanner McKee last year when McKee got a little dinged up. Ari got some opportunities. That whole Stanford football team, kind of like I was talking about with CMU, a lot of new faces, a lot of a lot of new faces for Stanford. A lot of players leaving the program. I mean, they had quite a few departures from the portal. They got a brand new head coach. Very little is expected of Stanford. That's why their quarterback is down at number nine. Now to number eight, someone that the Irish have faced before. And that is Jack Plummer, the quarterback for Louisville. They faced him when Jeff Brom was the head coach at Purdue. He's now at Louisville. So we've had this Brom-Plummer combination before at Notre Dame Stadium. Now this time the game will be at Louisville when these two will take on the Irish. They faced him. I just have... A stereotypical thought on Plummer from that day. There were so many short passes thrown by the Boilermakers against the Irish. Dink and dunk, dink and dunk. Like a four-yard pass in that game for Purdue was like a deep ball. So Plummer's a good, solid quarterback. Not the type of guy, from my estimation, that you can put the offense on his back and he's going to dominate the competition. He was good at Cal last year. Not sure how many great defenses are in the Pac-12. <laughs> in a couple of years, there'll be no defenses in the Pac-12. So Plummer, solid, kind of at number eight. As we rank the quarterbacks, Notre Dame will face this year. So, so far, we've got Draylon Ellis of Tennessee State, 12. The Navy quarterback, 11. At 10, Jace Bauer from Central Michigan. Ari Patu of Stanford, 9. Plummer from Louisville, 8. Now to number seven. The seventh best quarterback that Notre Dame will face this year, in my estimation, Phil, Phil Jerkovic from the Pittsburgh Panthers. Yes, the former Irish quarterback, now the former Boston College quarterback, ready to rebuild his status in college football and trying to make himself an option for NFL teams next year. Jerkovic has had a complicated life in college football and he's sort of done it to himself. 
all the comments on Twitter that he made before the BC Notre Dame game last year, hammering at Notre Dame, hammering at Brian Kelly. It looked very immature. You go back to his days at Notre Dame, we were all wowed by his right arm. It was a strong right arm. The ability to throw the deep ball. I remember watching practice with Eric Hansen one day at Loftus, and I made the remark to Eric, when you watched Jerkovic, now this was a few years ago, that he was more accurate throwing a deep ball than an intermediate toss over the middle or to the outside. At times, it felt like he could throw a 40-yarder more accurately than a 10-yarder, and that always held him back. Now, there was always talk about maybe they changed the mechanics. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. I don't know what the end result was. The fact was, he got tired of waiting. Maybe he was frustrated at the world here. He went to Boston College, had one big season last year, injury plagued. He is reunited with his offensive coordinator from BC at Pittsburgh, which possibly gives him hope for a bounce back campaign in 2023. Hey, Brian Kelly's not here anymore. Tommy Reese isn't here anymore. But based on the comments he made before that BC game, against Notre Dame last year. Heck, Marcus Freeman has really no ties to him, but you got to imagine that's going on the bulletin board. You always want to get after the quarterback, but is there a little more sense of urgency after, from a defensive line standpoint, this guy tried to trash my university and some of my old coaches? I would say they're going to be eager. Jerkovic, He's got to prove it again. He's at number seven. The sixth best quarterback the Irish will face this year, Sam Hartman's replacement at Wake Forest. Interesting guy, Mitch Griffiths. He's got some mobility. You know, he's thrown the ball well when given the opportunity. 29 of 41 for 348 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. If you're a college football fan, you might remember when the Irish faced John Wolford, the quarterback from Wake Forest. He was a good, solid player. Better than average. Coach Clawson of Wake Forest has kind of compared Griffiths to Wolford. That's the case. Wake Forest offense probably is going to take a step back with Hartman gone, but that is a nice comparison for Griffiths and should do an adequate job running this Wake Forest offense that lost their number one wide receiver. Ranking the quarterbacks Notre Dame will face this year. Now we go to the top five. Riley Leonard. The quarterback from the Duke Blue Devils. Not many people knew Riley Leonard's name before last year. Leonard was awesome for former Irish defensive coordinator Mike Elko at Duke. Elko's first year with the Blue Devils, they won nine games. Big reason why Leonard, 63% completion percentage, 2,967 yards, 20 TDs and only eight picks. And oh yeah, Leonard was their leading rusher. 699 yards, and he had 13 rushing touchdowns. That was one heck of a year for a kid that was very under the radar. Now there is a bit more of a target on his back, and Duke wants to be able to run the ball with their running back more this year. Tougher schedule for Duke. going to be much more difficult for them to win nine games, including playing the Irish this year. But a lot of credit to Riley Leonard 
Mike Elko did a great job of creating a culture, making that defense really good in his first year. But this kid really gave Duke a chance to win each and every week. And he'll be a handful in Durham. The Irish will have to be on their game defensively against this kid. Number four is Brennan Armstrong from NC State. I battled myself. Who should I put four and five, Armstrong or Leonard? I went with Armstrong just because how spectacular he was a couple of years ago at Virginia. Like Dracovic, he has now been reunited with his former offensive coordinator when he had that 4,000-yard passing season at Virginia. Armstrong is now at North Carolina State. And that lefty, if he can refine his form, will make the challenge for the Irish in Raleigh even more difficult. Ranking the quarterbacks Notre Dame will face this year, we move to number three, and it's Cade Klubnick from the Clemson Tigers. He took over as starting quarterback late in the year, was picked off by Notre Dame in that big Irish win over the Tigers in South Bend. He is now the guy. He's a sophomore. Dual threat quarterback. He can run with it. Excellent arm. Decision making. We'll have to make a jump this year. Wide receiving core has not been great at Clemson the last couple of years, but the good thing, Klubnik has a pretty good offensive line and a great running game to lean on. And as we all know, as we talk about Sam Hartman, you get that running game going, the deep ball is going to be in play, and, and vice versa. Throw some deep balls, it opens up the running game. Same can happen with Klubnik when you got Will Shipley to hand the football off to, very reliable catching the football. Klubnik's got some good weapons around him as he settles in as a starting quarterback, and they need him to be good. I think he will, and he's my number three. Number two, we're assuming Kyle McCord will be the starter for Ohio State. You talk about weapons around him. You talk about a quarterback that has a chance to succeed because of the weapons around him. Holy cow. Two of the best wide receivers in the country, two great running backs, an offensive line. We'll see how good they end up being. Probably they'll be good. But Kyle McCord at Ohio State, he started one game last year when C.J. Stroud was down with an injury, and he threw for an Ohio State record for a first start, 319 passing yards against Akron. He's a junior quarterback. He's been in the system and he is ready to take over a very talented Ohio State offense. And number one, should be no surprise, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, who ran and threw his way past the Fighting Irish at the LA Coliseum at the end of last year. This kid could have been the number one pick in the NFL draft had he been able to come out last spring. He is back for another go around. Jordan Addison's now a Minnesota Viking, but still you've got a good cast of wide receivers for Williams to throw to. He probably is going to have to put up big numbers again because that defense is always questionable under Lincoln Riley, and they have a lot of transfer parts. They've got to mesh together to make that defense playoff worthy. So the top seven quarterbacks Notre Dame will face this year. At seven, I had Phil Dracovic from Pitt. Number six, Mitch Griffiths from Wake Forest. Dukes, Riley Leonard, five. Brennan Armstrong from NC State, number four. Clemson's Clade, Cade Klubnick, number three. And number two, Kyle McCord from Ohio State. And the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams from USC at number one. Quick timeout. Sports Beat rolls on in just a moment on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser. 
Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. On Thursday's program, I asked you what Notre Dame's single season quarterback record, all held by Brady Quinn, does Sam Hartman have the best chance to beat this year? Now, all three of these might be out of reach, but the key of the statement was best chance. Touchdown passes 37, passing yards 3,919, total yards 4,009. You voted on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. 17% said passing yards. Sam Hartman would go over 3,919. 26% said when you factor in a few rushing yards, Hilltop Brady Quinn's total yards record of 4,009. But the majority... 57% went with Hartman's best chance to beat one of Quinn's records. Touchdown passes, 37. Mm, We thank you for voting. Today's question, of these choices, which Notre Dame sophomore will make the biggest jump this year? Cornerback, Jaden Mickey. Linebacker, Jalen Sneed. Wide receiver, Tobias Merriweather. Defensive lineman, Josh Burnham. Mickey, Sneed, Merriweather, Burnham, who makes the biggest jump of those four representing the sophomore class? Vote right now on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Notre Dame football week in review coming up next on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith, touchdown. Five-five rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on for this Friday evening. Well, on Tuesday, the Notre Dame football team held a scrimmage in front of the media. Let's go back to Wednesday when we had the chance to talk to two of our Notre Dame football insiders about what they saw during that scrimmage. Up first, the editor and publisher at IndieInsider.com, Eric Hansen. In 2017, the year after Brian Van Gorder, when they had the new defense under Mike Elko, and they were a lot better on defense that year than they had been under Mike or uh, Brian Van Gorder. But they there were practices um, like we saw last night where the defense made the offensive line of Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson and that group look like the inferior position group. Mm. And guess who won the uh, Joe Moore Award that year? So, the, so there's some things structurally that work against the offense and the offensive line. One is the offense is going to run as vanilla, especially Jared Parker. He doesn't trust us at all, and and probably with good reason, but he's going to run as much vanilla stuff as he can. Well, guess what? The defense knows those plays, so they're, they're jumping on top of that. Um, and then I think, too, again, they have not formed that great line chemistry. There's been a lot of shuffling in those two guard spots to A, get the right two guards, B, build depth in case somebody gets hurt on the offensive line. So you've had not only Billy Shrouth and uh, Pat Coogan on the left, 
Andrew Christophic and Rocco Spindler on the right. You've had Tosh Baker and Emil Wagner taking some guard reps to get them ready in case one of the tackles goes down or in case they have to jump into one of the guard spots because those are really, I mean, you could argue Emil Wagner is the sixth best offensive lineman, but he's a tackle and, and Tosh Baker is in the mix to be six or seven. So the chemistry isn't great right now. Yes, it needs to be worked on. Is it unfixable? No. Now, we don't have the track record with Joe Rudolph that we had with Harry Heastan. We knew kind of what Harry's timetable and methodology looked like. With Joe Rudolph, though, he had some pretty good lines when he was at Wisconsin. He put a lot of guys into the NFL. They were, they were pretty good offensive lines there pretty consistently over the years. He was at Virginia Tech last year, but at Wisconsin for a long time. So... There, you know, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, and really, this is the last time we'll be able to gauge it this well, because we're not going to have a practice pass period five that we're in after last night. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think there's reason for concern, but not for panic, and uh, I do think that it's a fixable problem. Now, from the defensive standpoint. I think there was some. Can I stop you for a second? Just since you mentioned the offensive line. Yeah. I totally get what they're trying to do, building depth in this football team. But the chemistry needs to be there from the starters from day one. Because let's don't forget, remember how Notre Dame couldn't run it against Navy last year? Navy brings back their front seven pretty much intact. And that front is actually pretty good considering what Navy has been defensively. Now with a different quarterback that can throw the ball down the field could free up some running lanes. So I don't want to deny that's not the case, but I'm just uneasy knowing that we're 17 days away and we're still, it feels like a bit away from getting that chemistry you're looking for. Now, theoretically by week three, it needs to be there. Week three is when it's time to start last year. Messing around there. Week one. Yeah. Yeah. Big, Big right. difference. Right. It, was, it is a big difference. But but you're right. So, and I think that's maybe what Marcus's calculation is that, you know, we have kind of the antidote to what Navy did last year because there's this really good quarterback and then that can throw deep and receivers that can run deep and that they're playing Tennessee State, an FCS team in week two, and then NC State wasn't a dynamic offense, but they could be. They could be with Brendan Armstrong, um, but they weren't last year. So week three is when you need to have it together, and Absolutely. I think it's reasonable okay. for them to to be there. But, you know, it would be nice to have that together in week one. I think we're at the point probably if we had an open practice next week, we would see the starters and we would see that chemistry starting to build. It's not like they haven't played together before. And, again, remember – Jared Parker wasn't trying to trick anybody on defense last night. I mean, he was running it right into the line. They were doing pass patterns that the defense had seen before. And yet, I want to give the defense credit because they played with a lot of energy. They played with a lot of swagger. And they were assignment correct in what we could tell. I mean, sitting in the stands, they looked assignment correct. And there was all this depth and athleticism. There were all these young guys they were getting on the field, and you're like, wow, Christian Gray can play. Wow, Micah Bell's fast. 
this walk on Luke Talich looks really fast. <laughs> Bubakar Traore looks pretty darn good, and it's not just because I like to say the word Bubakar. <laughs> um, so, you know, Jalen Sneed had um, a rep where he lined up as a pass rush guy against the number one offense, and he was in the backfield in a heartbeat. And so that's a little bit of preview what you're going to see. We didn't see a lot of exotics on defense either. You know, they weren't the, – the most exotic they got in terms of packages was playing nickel. But we did see them line up some different spots. We saw Maris Leifau moving around, and we saw Jalen Sneed moving around. So, And just to refresh Irish fans' memories, Notre Dame against Navy last year, 34 carries for 66 yards, 1.9 yards per carry. Right. Navy was, was Navy didn't do that just to Notre Dame. I mean, they no, were the they number were two run defense in the country and they play Army and Air Force, which are run only teams. So I mean th- that stat was terrific, but you have to make them pay by throwing it down the field. You have to make them pay and Notre Dame didn't do mm-hmm. that. No doubt. No doubt. They're just a pretty solid front once again with most of their parts back. You can't take them for granted. That's all I'm saying. I agree. So there has to be some chemistry in week one. I just want to get your thoughts about a position group that had question marks coming into the spring. We've had some additions to this particular position group room. And I'm wondering, the safety position has had a big question mark by it for some time. Based on what you have seen in fall camp, are the Irish becoming more and more comfortable with Watson Brown being their starting safeties? And are they comfortable with players that could come in in packages at various times, that third safety coming on the field? Yeah, I think you'll see four safeties play a lot. I think you'll see the two that you mentioned, Watson, DJ Brown, and I think you're going to see almost equal parts of Ramon Henderson and Antonio Carter the second at times. Antonio Carter... Last night, I thought, acquitted himself pretty well. I was kind of wondering how he was transitioning. We had a chance to talk to Chris O'Leary, the safeties coach. We had a chance to talk to the safeties in uh, earlier this week. And so we got a little bit more insight into that position group. There's some young safeties that have been playing well, as, and they need to because that group can move out pretty fast. You've got – they're all seniors or grads who – I think DJ Brown's the only one that's absolutely has to leave, uh, but uh, the other group, um, Luke Talich, this walk-on yeah. from Wyoming, who was, you know, a triple state champion in track, turned down Power Five offers to walk on at Notre Dame, six foot four, one ninety-eight. They think he's going to be really good next year. Um, they are also impressed with him this year, but he needs to gain some weight. And then Adon Schuler has been a surprise. After missing all of spring with shoulder surgery, he's the freshman that's that's kind of emerged as a real hard hitter, a really good box safety. I think they like Ben Minnick's speed. He's been out of some practices with, a, I believe, a knee injury. We'll get more detail on what's going on with Ben on Saturday, whether that's long or short term. And he missed some time at the end of spring, but – I'm more optimistic about the safety position. Now the corners make those guys look better, but but I think 
I've liked what I've seen from the safeties. I liked what I saw from them last night. And then you say, well, what about Thomas Harper? Thomas Harper is really just playing the nickel. Mm -hmm. He's learned the other safety positions, but he's the starting nickel. So he'll line up on uh, Emeka, I can't pronounce his last name, Ibuka from Ohio State, the really good slot receiver that they have. But those are the kind of matchups he's going to get. You can check out Eric's work at InsideIndieSports.com. Tyler Horka covers Notre Dame football for Blue and Gold Illustrated. We broke down some of the happenings from Notre Dame scrimmage on Tuesday. Knowing the defense looked really, really good last night and knowing they didn't probably get the offense's best shot. Yeah, I mean, I guess you take both of those things and you just kind of compartmentalize them because you wanted to see that from the defense because I think there are some questions about this defense, uh, really at all three levels. Uh, I, I know we've talked a lot about the defensive line and maybe what they don't have, but inversely, that kind of looked like the best unit uh, on the defense last night when you weigh in the secondary and the linebackers as well. So some really good individual performances. I thought uh, Al Golden, Al Washington, those guys had some stunts ready for the Notre Dame offensive line that kind of overwhelmed that unit. And I, I think that's where you look at the offense and say, okay, you saw enough good individual performances from the offense where Sam Hartman had a couple touchdowns. Steve Angeli threw the ball really well. Uh, some of the wide receivers made plays, not as many as I'd like to see, but I think that goes back to a pretty vanilla route tree and, and not a lot going on with the offense as a whole. But you saw enough from the offense individually to say, okay, I mean, they've got some dudes and they're going to be fine on Saturdays. But you look at the offensive line, and I think that is still kind of an incomplete puzzle where – You've got two pieces there at the guard positions that are kind of weighing the whole thing down. And, I mean, nothing speaks to that as much as what we've seen in the last week, let alone last night, where you go into camp and you think you have two starters and Billy Trout and Andrew Kostovic, and then you go to school field on Tuesday night, and neither of those guys hmm. are running with the ones. And when they're running with the twos, they didn't look particularly good. And even the guys that replaced them, Pat Coogan, left guard, and um, Rocco Spindler, right guard, they had some lapses. They had some moments where that didn't look really good. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like I said, it's an incomplete puzzle where uh, there's nothing more frustrating than putting together a puzzle a puzzle and you don't have that piece, <laughs> whether you, you lost it in the couch crevice or, you know, maybe it was a faulty box, whatever it was, dog ate it. I don't know. You put that thing together, and if that piece isn't there, the whole thing doesn't look right. It doesn't go well. You can't frame it and put it on the wall and show grandma, right? So... There's some things to figure out in the next couple of weeks with this Notre Dame offensive line, but defensively, I think that group has taken some strides. They're figuring out some person. Uh, those guys look really good, as we said. Tyler, I know you did a lot of work last night focusing on starting quarterback Sam Hartman. You've got a piece right now that folks can read at blueandgold.com, basically documenting Sam Hartman's night last night. So with everything we just talked about, in discussing the defense of the offense last evening, how would you assess the way Sam Hartman looked last night? Yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, and I wrote in that article that you mentioned, which by the way, yes, it was a lot of work last night. And I'm glad that the Texas Rangers are on the West coast right now because it gave <laughs> me two reasons to be up. I got to see them beat the Oakland athletics uh, last night. We won't talk about what happened today, but <laughs> yeah, it was kind of fun to write that thing and, and stare over at the TV every now and again when I needed a little mental break. But 
Yeah, Hartman looked good. Um, if I remember correctly, he was 7 of 12 in this. Uh, we've never really seen him do – it's usually 7 on 7 or 11 on 11. We saw him do a little 3-on-3 three three action where there were three pass catchers that Hartman could throw to, and then there were a couple defensive backs and a linebacker kind of working on zone coverage. So the offense kind of had an upper hand because if you go 3-on-3 three three and the defense isn't playing man, you're only playing zone, odds are guys are going to find little pockets in the zone. And Hartman was accurate. He, he hit those guys. I think, again, he was 7 of 12 in that portion, and then 7 of 14 in the 11-on-11 portion. So you don't really want to see him hover around 50% like he did last night. But like I said earlier, he threw a couple touchdown passes, uh, looked really good on both of those. They were both kind of shorter throws, but they were the right reads. And again, with the vanilla offense that Jared Parker was showing us, I think that's what we were looking for the most from Hartman was, okay, is he going to take what the defense gives him in this a period of practice that's kind of geared toward and set up for the defense to perform better. And he did the one area where I thought maybe he was getting a little restless or he was frustrated with the offensive line play or whatever it was. He took a bunch of deep shots last night. I want to say four to five in 11 on 11 and he didn't complete any of them. One of them was an interception intended for Matt Salerno down the left side, it was double coverage. If Sam Hartman is throwing that ball on Saturdays, you're going to have a lot of uh, TV purchases on Sunday because Notre Dame fans are throwing their remote through the, the screen. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't a great decision. But the other ones were decent decisions. And, again, I think he was a little frustrated. And he said, you know what, if this offense isn't going to you know, protect me and I'm not going to be able to make some of these shorter throws, I'm just going to lob it up to Tobias Merriweather and Jaden Thomas, see if they can make some catches. They couldn't, but that was mostly because he overthrew a couple of them, and then the coverage was really good. Jaden Mickey had the coverage on those two guys a couple times. Christian Gray, the freshman corner, was really good in tracking receivers on the deep routes and staying with guys. So a little bit of a mixed bag, which is what you expect for a practice on August 8th. Um, but I saw enough where I didn't come away from it, you know, like one of those spring practices where I was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if this is working right now. I think it is going to work. I saw enough signs that tells me it is. He's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work, including that article we referenced at blueandgold.com. Based on what you have watched so far in fall camp, if Sam Hartman were to miss a couple of games, how well will the Irish offense perform in your estimation with the way Steve Angeli has been looking so far in late July and in early August? I think that would be fine. Um, it, it would look different, and Gino Guduli said this to us uh, about a week ago, almost a week ago when we spoke to him. It would look different because Steve Angeli is not a 60-year graduate senior like Sam Hartman is. He hasn't done some, some of the things in college football that, can, that Sam Hartman has done, and quite frankly, they're different players to begin with. There, there's some things that and Jelly will probably never be able to do that Sam Hartman does, but I'm starting to see enough things from him to say, yeah, this guy is a starting quarterback at this level. Obviously, if all goes well for Notre Dame this season, he's not going to start at all as a sophomore, but uh, I'm starting to buy into the Steve Angeli 2024 hype train, which I know my colleague Mike Singer would love. Uh, if, if he listens to this, then he's going to be pumping his fist, but he's a sturdy guy back there. Uh, good arm, Sam Hartman even – applauded his arm in a press conference last week, said the guy can really sling it. We've seen that. Uh, he had the best, you know, if you're talking pure 
football throwing, you know, what did it look like? How did it end up result driven type of assessments last night? He had the, the best throws of the night, a couple touchdowns to Matt Salerno. Uh, there was an opener early in practice where Marcus Freeman tries to set the tone and he sent the ones out there and Sam Hartman had an incomplete pass. Um, or actually, I think it was a shovel pass that kind of got blown up to Ron Payne uh, up the middle. The, the defensive line was all over it. And then when the twos went out there, there was a, a formation with four targets on the right side of the formation. Only Matt Salerno singled up on the left side. Forget the defensive back who was covering him, but you can read about that at bullandgold.com. Kind of everything goes to the right, and Angeli said, you know what? I'm going to throw this fade up to the left to Matt Salerno, and it was a perfect ball. I mean, right over the top of the defensive back. Imagine you're trying to hit that back pylon with the football because you know where that's, the, that's where you want the wide receiver to be and the defensive back can't get there. That's the type of play that it was. So really impressive, uh, and I think it's all mental maturity and physical maturity and just progression and growth with Angeli. And, I mean, that's what comes with – I wrote about this at BlueAndGold.com too. Um, he's going into his 12th game as the true backup for Notre Dame when they go to Ireland to play Navy. I mean, he took over as the backup – in early September last year, and he's had that role ever since. So I know he hasn't thrown a pass in the college ranks, and I know he hasn't you know, started a game, obviously, but uh, the guy is just maturing at an expedited rate, and I think it's really helped him out. You can find Tyler Horker's work at blueandgold.com. Tonight's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed has been brought to you by Budweiser for 13 years, Folds of Honor, and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families joined United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. By Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. And by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Great to be with you tonight and this week. We've got another week of fall training camp to talk about next week on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Right now, stand by. South Bend Cubs baseball from Northeastern Ohio is coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 